he's forcing you to ask a bigger question of yourself and he's asking you how you might yourself in your own life be personally implicated in the behaviour that you've seen laid bare for you on the stage. Hello and welcome. My name's Carl Nelson-Polius and I'm the content manager here at Sydney Theatre Company. Today I'm with Kip Williams, our resident director, whose latest show with us, All My Sons, is coming soon to the Rosalind Packer Theatre. Kip's recent work with STC includes The Golden Age, Love and Information, Children of the Sun and Tennessee Williams's Suddenly Last Summer, which earned him a 2015 Helpman Award for Best Director. This time he's tackling Arthur Miller's first great play, All My Sons, which drops us into the middle American lives of the Keller family just after the Second World War. One of the two Keller sons, Larry Keller, has been missing in action for three years. His mother, Kate, is sure he's coming home. Larry's brother, Chris, and the father, Joe Keller, aren't convinced. In fact, Chris is planning on marrying the girlfriend Larry left behind. But there's another cloud on the horizon. Joe Keller is a businessman whose factory sold faulty parts to the US Air Force. People died. Was he responsible? Was his son, one of the pilots, killed by a faulty engine? That's the question. So, let's delve deeper into this mess of secrets and lies. Kip, welcome. Thank you for having me. Who are the Keller family? The Keller family are a a form of archetypal American family. They very much encapsulate a form of, of the American dream. So, Joe Keller is somebody who's been able to work himself upwards and out of pretty rough start in life and has been able to transform himself into one of the most successful businessmen in his town. So uh, they really encapsulate the American dream and, and the setting of this play, the backyard of the Keller family home, is a kind of space in which that dream not only sings but also potentially can crumble. And I suppose one of the fascinating tensions within that family is between a parental generation who aren't educated are, uh, are simply people who use their street smarts and you know, gut instinct to make their way upwards in life versus a younger generation who've benefited from a good start in life in the form of the son Chris in particular, who's more educated um, and who as a result has a kind of philosophical, more idealistic way of thinking about life that clashes uh, up against his father's street smarts. And who have you got playing the characters? Well, Joe Keller is being played by John Howard, you know, which is very exciting given his past incarnations of, of Miller characters, most notably playing John Proctor in The Crucible um, several times for Sydney Theatre Company. And opposite him is Robin Nevin playing Kate Keller. And in the younger generation, Chris Keller is being played by Chris Ryan, who many people will be familiar with. Um, he was most recently in The Present. Um, he was also in Children of the Sun and Gross and Klein. He's been a regular on our stages for a while. Um, and there's a couple of other interesting actors, exciting actors inside the ensemble. And probably it's best to start with the Diva family, who are the next-door neighbours of the Kellers, or used to be the next-door neighbours of the Kellers. We meet two characters from that family, Anne Diva, who was Larry's girlfriend before he went off to war and, and went uh, went missing, and is now Chris's in, intended wife. And we meet George Diva as well. Um, and Anne is played by Erin Jean Norville, um, so I'm thrilled to work with her again, having worked with her in Roman Juliet and suddenly last summer. And Josh McConville is playing George Diva. So Josh, we, we all know from many STC productions, I think this is one of four or five productions he's doing for the company this year. And you've decided to keep it set in the 1940s in middle America. Is there a particular reason for that choice? 
Well, the context of the play is incredibly important. It's at a particular point in American history where the question of what is true is being asked in all forms of society, politically, socially, and obviously culturally. I mean, it's interesting that the great contemporary writer of Arthur Miller, Tennessee Williams, is also asking the exact same question, uh, what is true? Um, How can we understand something as being truthful? And they're asking it in very different ways. Tennessee is interested in questions of personal truth. And Miller is interested specifically in a kind of grander, more idealistic notion of truth as a, as a principle, as a moral principle to, to adhere to in a greater social context. And it's at a point in time where the American dream is being questioned quite quite pointedly in the wake of, of the Second World War. So not only is America experiencing a whole host of returned soldiers feel quite dislocated from society and not having their experience in the, on, on the war front recognised in America, it's also experiencing people beginning to question the role of capitalism in society. And it's sort of fascinating, and it speaks to the question of why, why maintain the context. Not only are those social tensions crucial to the to the functioning of the story. They're crucial to why this story is interesting today. Um, so at a point in history in 2016 where we see not only in America but, but globally and, and of course in Australia too, people beginning to ask bigger questions about the function of capitalism in our society. So you only need to look at the presidential election at the moment in America to see that this question is being asked in a kind of phenomenal way. So, you know, if we look at the extremes of the Democrat and Republican nominees, we have on one hand with the Democrats, Bernie Sanders, who has declared himself to be a socialist, an out-and-out socialist, and he's doing extremely well with the voting public. So a kind of remarkable phenomenon in America. And at the same time, at the opposite end of this of the spectrum, Donald Trump, who you know many people have no qualms with terming a fascist, and this is what I would term a kind of implosion of of capitalism that we're experiencing around the world. So it's very fascinating to return to a play that's written um, seventy years ago, where this question is being asked uh, for one of the first times within this culture. So you know the context is really crucial, and you know I think it's interesting that unlike Tennessee Williams, who's interested in his audiences relating to the past in a memory-like sense, Miller is actually interested in his audience seeing something that's very true and almost photo-real, I suppose, in a way. Um, He was interested in the world of the play being like a mirror up to the society of the time, and he says in his stage directions that the setting of the play is in our time. So his his audience, when it was first premiered, would have seen a very almost mirror-like reflection of themselves on stage. And it presents an interesting challenge for the design team and myself in that whilst we have to maintain the historical context, which will feel like a relationship to the past for the audience, we also need to find a way that these people can feel real and immediate, almost cinematically so, in the way in which the audience can fall into this universe, not in a surrealist or memory-like or dream-like way that, that Williams is interested in, but in a way that feels like a, like a lucid dream, I suppose, like one that is so real that you don't question that it, is a, that it isn't part of your own reality. And then I think that speaks to the performance style, particularly in the first half an hour of the show, I think it speaks to the choice to have a kind of very historically uh, accurate uh, rendering of costume and really making sure that the actors themselves, you know, the use of accent and whatnot, ensuring that their audience's relationship to the actor is such that this world that we present feels familiar and real and intensely immediate. 
And what is the the impact then on the audience? I mean, we, you've talked about the socio-political aspect of it. There's a family struggle at the heart of it as well. And there is also this, this search for truth. But for an audience, what's what's the ride? It's a good. It's a good question. It's it's very moving work. Uh, it's actually a, an experience for an, for an audience which is quite led by emotion. So you do very much become enveloped within the stakes of this play. You long for a form of um, resolution, a ha- kind of happy resolution to the intense trauma that this family has experienced, particularly at the hands of losing a son. And he denies that um, to you. Um, it's a very tragic ending, um, almost kind of operatic, certainly inspired by the Greeks in the way in which it resolves without wanting to give too much away. But in doing so, in denying you that, that sense of emotional catharsis or uh, emotionally satisfying resolution, he asks, he, he's forcing you to ask a bigger question of yourself. And he's asking you how you might yourself in your own life be personally implicated in the behaviour that you've seen laid bare for you on the stage. It strikes me as well that there's a uh, a link here with Suddenly Last Summer. You've you've talked about Tennessee Williams as a contemporary of Miller. We've got Robin Nevin uh, as a mother, again, as a key mm-hmm. mother figure. Mm-hmm. And we've got Erin Jean Norville in there as well. Is this uh, a sequel for you as a director? Are you are you interested in the relationship between those two writers and the, the relationship in the form? Or is this a, a, a new thing, a, a different idea of a play? I think I'll be able to understand the sense of progression from one to the next more clearly once I'm through it. But I probably think the sequel to Suddenly Last Summer will come when I next direct Tennessee Williams. I think the thing that I've discovered most clearly now two and a half weeks into directing a Miller is that he certainly is a writer who trades in facts, whereas Williams is a writer who who trades almost in, entirely in the ambiguous. And uh, it's interesting to, 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 to have these two writers be so successful at the same time in the middle of the 20th century, you know, two of the most influential writers of the 20th century, certainly in the American canon. And they're both working with the same director. Ilya Kazan is, is directing both these writers' great works, which is just a fascinating notion given that their relationship to truth is so different. If I was pushed, I'd probably say that I'm more of a Williams director than perhaps a Miller director, but I can't really know yet because I'm, I'm, I'm not at the end of the Miller yet and I'm getting, gaining so much from it. But there's an ambiguity in Williams that I find fascinating. But then there's this extraordinary operatic quality inside the Miller which is so intoxicating and I think that's the great similarity of the two writers is that they write in a way which is intensely musical. They have different forms of music, but it's intensely musical. And those big stories that both Robin and EJ told in Suddenly Last Summer at the top and end of the show were like the most incredible arias. And there's a similar quality inside the Miller where you have to direct it almost like a conductor treating the the text like an operatic score and both Robin and, and EJ and, of course, John and, and a whole host of the cast are these extraordinary performers who can interpret the music of Miller in a way which is so profoundly powerful and moving and illuminating and, and um, revelatory. So I think there's a similarity in, in that sense in terms of how, you know, well, I suppose for the audience, at the end of the day, the great gift of having the, these actors inside these these um, these great writers. But... In terms of the sequence, well, they're both plays about truth and and I, I, I maybe we'll only be able to compare the two until we see the works on the stage as to how they progress from one to the next. 
This is your fourth year as a resident director at STC. We, I guess, as an audience, are familiar with the works once they arrive on stage. But what has it meant for you in the last four years to be working inside this company and and to have that progression from play to play, not only on the stages but also behind the scenes, working with particular artists repeatedly? And, and what is it for you to be a resident director? I think being a resident director is the most privileged position to be able to hold and particularly for the stage that I'm at in my um, career at the moment you know it's it's the it's the early section of my career and I've been given the most extraordinary uh, humbling opportunity to to make work regularly consistently and and for that work to be work of of scale and I think one of the most important things for for any artist you know whether they're an actor or a designer or a writer or a painter or a poet is for that artist to be able to establish their voice and to be able to find their voice and then develop their voice and ultimately develop a conversation with an audience. And to be at a point now after four years as as a resident in the company, or three and a half in the company, where people can come and see my work and have seen prior productions of mine and to be able to put that work in context and to be able to see the evolution of ideas of both myself and the and the collaborators who I return to, you know, be they Erin Jean and Robin as actors who, who I return to work with or Alice Babbage and Nick Schlieper and Max Lambert who are the design team on All My Sons, all of whom I've worked with many times over the past years as a resident here, is an incredible thing. And ultimately, I make work to speak. I make work to be able to have a conversation with an audience and being a resident has been the key way that that has been able to be established for me. So it's been a huge gift from that point of view. Well, Kip, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Carl. All My Sons is playing at Roslyn Packer Theatre here at Sydney Theatre Company from June 4 until July 9. To discover more behind-the-scenes content, sign up to our monthly newsletter at sydneytheatre.com.au slash enews. And to share your thoughts, tag Sydney Theatre Co. on all forms of social media or head to our website for more ways to get in touch. We'll see you at the theatre.